When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into a new episode of the Sports Stove Podcast, brought to you by Skull Candy. Well, let's see her right there. And Blue Coolers, and I'm hiding Blue Coolers. Sorry, Blue Coolers. Uh, back there as well, Skull Candy and Blue Coolers are the sponsor of the Sports Stove Podcast. And we have links for you in the podcast notes where you can click those links and go find yourself some candy for your ears if you want some Skull Candy products. They got headphones, earbuds, true wireless earbuds, by the way, speakers, and more. And Blue Coolers, they got this 55-quart cooler. It has a 10-day ice retention, five-star rated. It is, a, I think, a five-year warranty on there as well, sometimes called the Yeti Killer. Blue Coolers is the best of the coolers and a better price than the other leading companies out there. You know who we're talking about. So go to those uh, audio notes, find the links for Blue Coolers and Skull Candy, click on those links, shop there. And that way they know that we sent you. On today's episode, uh, my dad is back to join us. We're going to be talking some football, a little bit of baseball, and a little bit of college basketball as well today. Dad, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be here. Well, good to have you back. It's been a while since we had you on. I uh, had a few interviews and things going on. We've got some more uh, exciting interviews coming up that we'll post out next week. Uh, Packers fullback John Kuhn. Anything you want me to uh, talk to John about since you're an owner of the Packers? No, no. I just tell him as an owner, I've been happy with him. So. Okay, all right. Uh, John Kuhn will be with us. And then also Jack McCallum, who is a former Sports Illustrated writer. He's an author of the Dream Team uh, book. He's also the author of Seven Seconds or Less, uh, talking about the Phoenix Suns. And he has a brand-new podcast out about the Redemption Team. Uh, it's a Dream Team Part 2 podcast, uh, as well as the Dream Team Tapes podcast. So Jack McCallum will be on with us as well. Uh, at this point, I think the Jack McCallum podcast will be posted on Monday and the John Kuhn episode posted on Thursday, I believe, is where that will shape up. But nonetheless, uh, Dad, since the last time we talked and the last time I really did anything other than interviews, uh, Carson Wentz got traded to the Indianapolis Colts. 
He is the new, we assume, starting quarterback. Uh, They only gave up a third-round pick and a conditional second round that can turn into a first round. I thought that was a crazy good deal for Indianapolis. Uh, So I guess what's your overall thoughts on the trade and Carson Wentz in Indianapolis? Well, I think, again, it's very good for Carson Wentz. That's a good place for him. He's with a coach that he's had before. Um, so I think that would be good. You're right. Indianapolis didn't have to give up a whole lot. Um, whether it was a good deal for Philadelphia will depend on, um, you know, one, about how Jalen Hurd do, uh, or do they have, you know, a quarterback there? Um, if he does great, then, you know, they're in good shape. They can use the third round this year. If the other one turns in, if Wentz plays a lot, which what I've read about it, I think that could easily turn into a first round pick. Uh, that can be very good also. So it could be good for both, but I think up front it does look good for Indianapolis, and I think it would be a great place for Wentz to get a start. And I know I feel kind of like you on this. I think Wentz still is a good quarterback and has a lot of potential. Yeah, Philadelphia, there's a lot of talk out of Philadelphia right now that at that number six pick, they're going to draft a quarterback, uh, which to me is kind of crazy. I guess it depends on who's there, what you know, who knows what happens between two and six. But, um, you know, that means that there's not a, a great deal of confidence that Jalen Hurts is the answer in Philadelphia. And I'm a F- Jalen Hurts fan. I was big on him coming into the draft, I thought. Uh, but I can't say I expected him to be starting by year two. I thought maybe it was going to be a four-year process before he got the starting job. So we'll see how that shakes out. As far as Indianapolis goes, Carson wins. I think he's going to jump in and play really well in Indy. They got – um, a little bit to fix on the offensive line, but they got some real talent around them. Of course, you know I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor fan at Indianapolis, running back out of Wisconsin. Um, he's dynamic both in the pass game and the run game, and so I think Wentz will fit right in. Of course, he knows Frank Reich and, and uh, played with him or for him while he was in uh, Philadelphia too, so there is that also. Of course, the bigger story that's happened here in recent days has been the jersey number for Carson Wentz. Right now, the rumor is he's going to wear number one. Uh, but Michael Pittman, who is coming off of his rookie season as a wide receiver, uh, he came out and said, it's my number and I'm not giving it up. Now, we do know that they had a conversation about that. But uh, what's the first thing that you think of? I'm curious to know. As we haven't talked about this. So I'm curious to know if the first thing that came to your mind was the first thing that came to my mind. When a young wide receiver says, I'm not giving up my number to a newcoming quarterback, what was your first thought on that? Um, my first thought was uh, wide receivers taking a real real chance there because um, the wide receiver wants to have a great relationship with the quarterback. Quarterback wants to have good trust in his receivers, but a receiver needs to be where um, the quarterback is going to look his way help him. Now, Pittman is very good. Um, I was high on him last year as he got better as the year went on. Um, it's, I guess it's kind of an unwritten rule in the NFL that if you have a number, you have to give it up. You know, I enjoy that because that's a little bit of tradition left in football. In some ways, it makes sense that the teams made the decision about the numbers but if they did, unfortunately, we know numbers would change every two years because they sell more jerseys. Yeah. And so I think the fact that a player can be known at, by his number and um, can go into the Hall of Fame with a number is good. Uh, but, yeah, it struck me a little funny that a wide receiver wouldn't be quicker to get along with the quarterback. But from what it sounds like, 
Wentz may be okay with it, so um, we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure that number 11 has been great for Wentz over the last couple seasons. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, my thought was if he was a veteran receiver like T.Y. Hilton, for instance, okay, yeah, that makes sense that you wouldn't even consider it. Uh, and I don't think Wentz would even ask for it if it was if it was uh, T.Y. Hilton. And I don't think he was going to ask for it for Pittman either, from what I understand. But my thought was, my goodness, like Pittman's career right now is – going to go up or down based on Carson Wentz <laughs> you would think you would want to be on the I mean you'd probably I, I, I don't know it's it's silly to, to argue over jersey numbers so I'd like to think they'd be adults about it anyhow but nonetheless Pittman's going to keep number 11 like I said the rumor is Carson Wentz will wear number one which I don't believe has been worn since Pat McAfee retired and uh, so listening to Pat McAfee talk about it was pretty fun this week as he is excited hoping that Wentz takes his number uh, but I was interested, uh, a lot of the conversation early in the week about Pittman, it all just centered around him not wanting to give up his number and him doing our, uh, interviews. And it wasn't until later in the week that I finally heard someone else say, you know, he needs Carson Wentz to throw him the football. You'd think you'd be a little bit different about how you're going about this. And I thought, yep, that's a, the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks changing teams, let's move on to Deshaun Watson. I feel like we've talked about Deshaun Watson almost every time we've been together. This uh, more recently, though, it did come out that Watson has approved uh, trade, said he would not he would waive his no trade uh, for the Jets, the Dolphins and the Panthers. Um, I've said from the get go, the Jets and the Dolphins make the most sense just based off of draft capital and what they give up for Watson. Carolina has talked very aggressively like they're going to do everything they can to make this happen. They're sitting at number eight in the draft. So out of those three teams, the Jets, the Dolphins and the Panthers, uh, what do you think is best for Watson, and then what do you think is actually going to happen? Um, as far as best for him, the team, Carolina would be a very good team for him. I think a very good coach. Uh, obviously, he has some good people around him there. I think it makes more sense uh, for Houston, for the Jets or Miami, because they could get a quarterback, and then they'd have a quarterback, and then they're going to get some kind of good draft pick or a large number of draft picks and they could help build up around that quarterback quicker. Um, and I think either one um, e either one would work. Um, I don't know if Darnold or Tua, you know, which is more guaranteed to have success, obviously. But um, I, I think from that standpoint, it would make more sense for Houston. For some reason, my gut feeling is that I'm not sure he'll leave Houston. Um, I just don't know. I mean, surely they're going to do everything they can, but if they could get draft picks, it would benefit them more. So no doubt about that. And I don't know if he goes to Carolina, if Bridgewater's in the deal. Um, I think Bridgewater's been good. Uh, again, maybe he would do as well as the other two. I, I don't know how that would go. Well, I think Bridgewater's time in Carolina is done based off of what came out this week. I mean, they said they're looking for an upgrade <laughs> over his physical limitations. Yeah. So that's usually not a good sign uh, for him continuing with the team. Um, you know, like you said, I, I mean, I think if the Texans, if they're going to lose Watson, it makes sense, I think, to go with Miami and the Jets because then if – and it somewhat depends on what they like, if they like Darnold or if they like Tua because then you could get a quarterback – plus a top three pick in the draft, um, you know, you can you can rebuild pretty fast with that. 
I think Darnold's going to be good if he gets in the right spot. I've heard places like San Francisco and mm-hmm. Washington come up a lot for Darnold. Would love to see him on either of those teams. Uh, Tua, I'm just not sure about. I think he needs more time. And I think Miami's a great spot to continue to grow in as well. I think uh, either of those places would work. But I think Carolina is going to end up, if he leaves Houston, I think it's Carolina, just because they've seen the most motivated to go get him. Mm-hmm. I still think Vegas is a... Uh, uh, kind of a, a team to watch. If Gruden gets gets yeah. win that, hey, he we can get them. Here's what we can get them for. I think that's a team to watch. But right now, it seems like it's down to the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Panthers, with the Panthers being the most aggressive. And I've said it over and over again. I think Deshaun Watson's the top three quarterback in the league. I think any team he goes on, he makes them better. Yeah, and if Houston can keep them, they're paying a lot of money, and they gave up draft capital to get Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle. <laughs> now, now he might not have a quarterback to block for. Um, you would think they're going to do everything they can to try to keep Deshaun Watson in house. And they've said they're not going to trade him, but we'll see if that actually happens or not. Uh, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, their first round pick last year, Isaiah Wilson, offensive lineman. Uh, earlier, uh, the Titans came out and they said the guy that we scouted was not the same guy that showed up. Uh, to camp last year. He ended up playing four offensive snaps and one special team snap. And then this week, Isaiah Wilson tweets, I'm done with the Titans. Uh, So I know that uh, the Titans are not a uh, soft spot in either of our hearts, neither one of us big Titan fans. Uh, But uh, what are your thoughts on this whole Isaiah Wilson issue? Well, you know, the Titans, again, I was in Tennessee quite a while and, and, Right before I left, the last couple of years heard a lot there because of the old general manager uh, as a talk show host there now. And um, I I thought about it. You know, Isaiah Wilson was trouble from the get go. Um, You look at it now, if they've lost him, you say, well, they should have just got rid of him earlier. Um, very few general managers are going to want to admit that they made a mistake with the first round pick. And they're not going to want to admit that early on um, there. So if the general manager is not going to take care of it, then I think it would be the ownership. Well, the Tennessee Titans are owned by a family, the Adams. um, And again, why it's not Bud Adams now, it's his daughter. And um, the Titans have always been very tolerant of problem people if they thought they were talented. Look at Pac-Man Jones. You go back to him. Um, And and even people that were temperamental, Vince Young, and there would be many others. They have the Adams, you know, the Titans is an organization. And I don't know always the communication between the coach, general manager, and anybody in the Adams family. but they're, you know, they have a history of being tolerant. It's funny, too, when you think of Pac-Man and general managers, the older general manager who drafted Pac-Man is the guy who's the talk show host now. And I heard that come up on several occasions, and I've never heard him come close to saying he shouldn't have drafted Pac-Man. Again, he said the same thing, you know, well, we did our research and boy, that wasn't what we thought. But he constantly mentioned, you know, Pac-Man was so talented. He's one of those unique guys that could turn things around, which in a return game he could. Um, So, again, there's just not a lot of history there. Um, So if you think, well, then who could take care of it? Well, the coach can't because you don't have the general manager and the ownership behind you. Um, The only way you can make it work is to have the the player – change his mind, change his attitude, 
and that would come through peer pressure. Uh, other guys on the team. That was hard this year because of the COVID thing. In all fairness, it, you didn't have a situation where people were around each other a lot. And I think he was on the COVID list, so he was probably even less available um, than players would have been. Um, again, I'm not a big Titans fan, so it's easy to start jumping on things. But again, who's going to influence a, 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 a rookie tackle? Well, it's going to be other offensive linemen. Who's the leader in the offensive line room at the Titans? It's Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan has never been accused of being a high-quality, high-character guy. So you don't have the guy there. Do you have a leader on the team? Um, Titans have always, I think, struggled with that. But they don't have the leadership of somebody to point to, even if they say, hey, you, Isaiah, you need to go talk to this guy. Or if you have a guy that, hey, you need to go talk to him. I'm not sure they... They have that guy. It's interesting, you know, again, not to get off here, but as we're Packer fans and the Hall of Fame, you know, you had Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson played with two great quarterbacks, two very popular quarterbacks, and both of them pointed to Charles Woodson as the leader. Charles Woodson was a great, the best teammate. They were people, he was one they, they could look to to get help. And I'm not sure the Titans have anybody close to that. Uh, when Matthews was there, I think he tried to fill that role, but he wasn't there very long. And after that, I would question what kind of leadership they've had. Um, and, and this may point out this year, too, with uh, not having the combine, it may be harder and harder for teams to really find out about, you know, the background on players. From what I understand, you know, you love spending time with their coach, their strength man, uh, people that really knew him and somebody that were really level with you. And that's not going to be a lot of possibility, a little bit virtually, but it isn't like going visiting the school and sitting with them. Yeah. And I heard one of the uh, uh, former general manager, I don't remember who it was, but he said the combine, really the only positive thing that comes out of the combine for teams is the interviews, having a chance to sit down and converse with these guys and sit down face to face and have a, a good long conversation with them. Uh, right there face-to-face, -face. and, you know, the combine is going to be different this year. It's going to be held at the, the individual sites, and you're limited to who can go and all those sorts of things. So you're right. That definitely comes in. I think, you know, honestly, I think as far as it goes to ability-wise, it's probably better to not have the combine because you're not going to be fooled by false numbers or numbers that don't right. really stand out in the game time. But when you're talking about the personality like you're talking about, yeah, it's definitely going to be the whole COVID situation. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, how much homework they do on these guys and uh, what they can learn. And, and they'll still be able to get – they'll have sources in different schools and things like that. But, um, yeah, Isaiah Wilson, he's done nothing to uh, give himself any leverage in this situation. <laughs> so so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. It looks like, from everything I can tell, the Titans are pretty much done with him and he is done with the Titans. And, honestly, it might be done with football. Uh, at this point, I don't see any organization that goes, oh, yeah, I want to take a chance on a kid who can't, you know, first-round pick that refuses to get in shape and come to work on time and, and be where he's supposed to be. So uh, they might be seeing the end of Isaiah Wilson. He may go down as one of the bigger busts in history uh, if he never gets a chance to play because of his attitude and his work ethic. Let's go on a little bit more positive note. Uh, the report showed this week John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens head coach, was out to eat. Uh, he was supporting a restaurant who the restaurant owner has done a lot for the Baltimore area restaurants and bars throughout all the pandemic stuff. 
raised, I think I saw $430,000 that one restaurant owner did uh, to help other uh, restaurants there in the area. On his way out, John Harbaugh pays the tab for seven families, the other seven people that were in the restaurant with them. Uh, kind of a positive note in uh, in a world of uh, kind of darkness right now, don't you think? Yes, it, it was. It was very encouraging to see that reported on. Um, that's the thing. From what you hear, there's more good things go on with teams, with players, with coaches. Um, but you don't have a lot of that. You know, you have the Walter Payton Man of the Year. There's some things that they go on about, um, you know, people helping foundations and what their foundation does. And that is good. Uh, but it doesn't always get national attention. Um, and um, I think the fact that it, you know, this came up and was highlighted, and I saw it today come across. Um, you know, it, it's good to hear about a good story. And um, again, it's something, you know, I don't think he, he had to do. It's just something, you know, he obviously has the ability to do it. Uh, he gave his wife all the credit and said it was her idea, uh, oh, yeah. but he paid the tab. And uh, it was just an encouraging thing. You know, again, um, never been a big fan of the Michigan Harbaugh, but John Harbaugh's always seemed to be real good. So I don't know. I'm sure there's good in all of them. The Michigan Harbaugh, Jim. Uh, and I just was going to say the GM you're talking about in Tennessee is uh, Floyd Reese, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to get his name out there. Um, all right. Well, we talk about something positive. Let's go back to the negative. <laughs> Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers are reporting. Baseball season's right around the corner. The sound of bats and balls and gloves and the smells of leather and all that good stuff is back. And uh, one of the bigger stories in baseball right now is surrounding Major League Baseball's service time issue. Garrett Cole came out and told people, hey, you need to read what was going on in Seattle. Of course, the Seattle Mariners have a lot going on within their organization. Uh, one of their top prospects, Jared Kalinick, he has come out and said he definitely thinks that he has been uh, his service time is being ma manipulated as it is. We talked briefly about this before we recorded, and I was I was interested in your take on it. So I'm going to let you have uh, share your opinions on the Major League Baseball service time and the issues that are currently being brought up. Well, I think it, it, again, it kind of shows the issue of where we're at. Um, in this country and as a society, um, I don't. I don't think it's good. It's probably not fair to the player. But it was interesting to me that they're talking about. Oh, they're manipulating this. When I don't think it'd be hard to say most agents and even players will manipulate anything they can that they feel like is a benefit for them. Um, I mean, it's been that way, unfortunately, for a while. People aren't straight up front with what they say. Um, you know, the owner owns the team. And if the system, if he's not breaking a rule, if he's not violating the system, um, I mean, it wasn't shocking to me. I, I was surprised it was news because obviously people make decisions. I, you've seen it a lot on bonuses. Yeah. You know, you play X number of games. Well, this guy all of a sudden doesn't play in the last two games. You know, this guy catches X number of touchdowns and all of a sudden, you know, the last two quarters he doesn't play. Well, he doesn't get the bonus, you know. Um, is that good? I don't know. Is it right? It just depends, you know, is it in the rules? And unfortunately, uh, kind of that's where we're at now. Um, if it's not breaking the rules, um, is it being fair? And honestly, with a guy that's a young player, you are taking a little bit of a chance. 
um, you know, all of a sudden you make it to where it's going to hurt you financially. Now, if he turned out to be great, everybody'd be happy with all of it. But uh, you don't know that, and um, you know, un unfortunately, that's kind of where we are. I guess we've been that way for a while. I've never been a businessman, but I was involved in business deals for a while. And when I when I was, I got some magazines and articles about business stuff. And I'll never forget when I saw an article advertising a seminar and it said uh, the seminar was totally about how you get out of guaranteed contracts. In other words, you have a contract, the, the, the you know, binding contract, how, how you get out of binding contracts. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting right there. Even though we all know a lot of times, you know, people say there's waivers and you sign waivers. You buy a ticket to a football game, you can't sue the team that, you know, you if you fall in the stadium, that's not the way it works. But um, that's kind of where we're at. Well, uh, right now, one of the popular terms is player empowerment. The NBA and the NFL has both seen the players gain more power, the NBA more than any other league. But the NFL is getting there, too. You're seeing that with Deshaun Watson trying to force his way out of Houston. Then uh, Major League Baseball is far behind on this stuff, but they're trying to catch up and trying to catch up quick. And um, it's, you know, it's funny. I didn't think of it, but uh, you're exactly right. The, everyone's trying to manipulate someone <laughs> to, to better themselves, players, the agents, and the teams. And, uh, you know, we saw it last year, if I remember right, San Diego made the decision with Fernando Tatis to go ahead and let him come in and play. And it was actually going to hurt them when it came to service time as opposed to hurting the player. But he was so talented, they needed him on the field. Not, I could be wrong. Maybe that was the year before um, that that happened. But nonetheless, Major League Baseball does have this issue with the service time where the guys can't come up, can't play so much, can't do this, whatever, because it helps the teams financially to do so. I've never understood baseball so many things about them. They, the way it's like they, they refuse to try to get better. <laughs> they, yeah. They've got these talented young kids. Instead of letting them come up and play, they keep them down for financial reasons. Then you got a team who's got a great player and they trade their one great player away and uh, they do it to restock their farm system. And then, you know, hoping in a decade, they'll be good. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we see baseball continuing to kind of be behind on different things. And right now the players, Garrett Cole leading the way here, uh, trying to change the way things are done in Major League Baseball to, to improve or to give the advantage or leverage to the players uh, there. Dad, let's close it out talking a little bit of college basketball. And Gonzaga and Baylor both undefeated. Looks like they'll probably end the regular season undefeated and ahead to the tournament as the top two seeds. Um, Alabama still rolling in the SEC with only one SEC loss. Kentucky, Duke still flailing uh, back in the back, hoping that someone will let them be in the tournament uh, from there as well. Uh, so a lot of the normal bigs are kind of lower or out right now, but one conference that seems to be standing out is a conference that you pay a little bit closer attention to than I do, and that's the Big Ten. You've got four teams in the top ten. Michigan just beat Ohio State last weekend. Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa – are the four teams in the top 10 uh, all sh uh, shoved together there. Jawan Howard looking really good uh, in Michigan, got them playing incredible basketball. They have a, an interesting mixture, uh, really good freshmen, but they also have some returning guys that are playing well for them as well. So talk to me a little bit about the Big Ten. I know you look, did some, some uh, looking and research on these teams. 
uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa. Uh, coming down to the end of the regular season now, what what's it looking like for them? Well, they're really, you know, they're all four really good teams. Like anytime you have a strong conference, you have the problem with they can beat each other up. And the way the schedule works, all four of these teams are going to play at least two of the other teams in their last three or four games. Uh, now, some are a little more on the road. I think all of Michigan plays Illinois and Iowa, but they're both at home for Michigan. Uh, that will help there. Ohio State plays Illinois and Iowa. Of course, Illinois then has Michigan and Ohio State, both on the road, and Iowa has Ohio State and Michigan. Um, so they're going to play each other. Uh, it's not guaranteed that the top two, Michigan and Ohio State, will win all of them, um, but um, it'll be interesting. And it'll be interesting when you get to the NCAA tournament because at least a couple of these teams are going to fall out uh, a little bit. You know, Illinois lost to Michigan State last night. Um, and, and again, these other the teams also, a couple of Wisconsin and a couple of them play Michigan State yet. And so there's teams that can win because there for a while, Michigan State would be like Kentucky and Duke. I mean, they weren't there, but now they've made a move here at the end. And um, so you're going to have teams that are in three seeds, four seeds maybe that are talented, very, very good. And um, – you know, that can always make the tournament interesting. Uh, one thing you mentioned a minute ago about Michigan, and I heard this a while ago, and I think it's true with all four of these teams, was they all had veterans coming back. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just freshman teams. Um, some of their better players, they had guys come back for another year. Uh, now, a lot of those guys aren't going to stay now. But um, they, they all had veterans to work with. And they, I, I've heard it said, you know, it'd be interesting to see how people, how that works. Because for a long time, it's been one and done. That's no problem. You can win. You can do fine. And here are some of the teams that are really, really tough. Um, you know, it isn't all freshmen. So it'd yeah. uh, be interesting to see how that affects. But it's going to be an interesting basketball tournament, that's for sure. Because uh, even some of the teams – um, you know, there's a lot of teams that maybe not even in the, definitely not in the top 20, maybe not in the top 25, but have only lost one game and, uh, you can get in there. And like I said, we all know what can happen now to be in, and, and I think it'll be interesting with it all being there around Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, that's going to make it, make it interesting too. And they play a lot quicker. The games, this is a lot shorter period of time for the whole tournament, it's not stretched out over as many weekends. So when you talk about a guy, a team getting hot, um, that's going to be different too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, it looks like at this point we're still having conference tournaments, which for a while there didn't look like that was going to happen. So that gives a little bit of hope to some teams. I know the SEC is looking at five, maybe six teams in. The Big Ten, uh, they're looking at, I think, seven teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams at least. Uh, making it in maybe seven, possibly eight as well. Um, there, the ACC, you know, they're kind of top heavy right now with um, uh, Virginia and uh, Florida State. Virginia Tech's in the top 25. They've not had a great uh, conference run, but they've had good away uh, out of conference yeah, things as well. And so North Carolina's probably going to make it to the tournament. So you got some different teams in the ACC that are trying to make their case known. Uh, as well. I think it's going to be an interesting year for those mid-majors, um, the smaller schools and stuff like that that come in in the tournament time that have those veterans. But like you said, 
teams that are at the top right now have that. I mean, Illinois, I believe they returned four of their starting five, and I think five of the six guys that played minutes last year um, as well. So they've got a real good veteran that's showing. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State the same way. Of course, Gonzaga and Baylor as well. So, uh, you know, it's it it'll be interesting to see for sure. A lot of people are making the excuse for the Kentuckys and the Dukes that, hey, COVID affected them more than anybody because they didn't have the time to get to know each other and uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. But I, to me, that's just a, a, a load of baloney. <laughs> it's just, they've had bad, at least at Kentucky, I've not watched any Duke games. Kentucky, it's been bad coaching. Uh, and uh, But nonetheless, I've said enough about Coach Cal this year. We'll just let it play out and see how it ends up uh, there as well. All right. Uh, anything else on the sports docket that's – caught your fancy uh no i don't think so you know we covered some good stuff there and um you know we've got a lot going on and like i said before long the ncaa tournament will um you know kick up and um that'll be there and like i said we'll see how things go with football i guess it's all senior days and i'm sure we'll start hearing before long um but you know it'll be wild predictions because it'll be less you know who's going to draft what you know, and there, and I did hear this this week, which of course is true. One of the big things with not having the combine is the coaches and general managers aren't all there together, and their general managers aren't there with all the agents, so there can't really be a lot of the communication um, that they had because you know they'd be there for of course for a week uh, there together, and um, so uh, things will definitely be different with that. Yeah, and you got baseball that's kicking up. Uh, we'll see how that gets going. Uh, last year they were affected. They, man, baseball dropped the ball last year. Oh, COVID yeah. stuff hit. They had an opportunity to be on the field and playing uh, before anybody else, and they were one of the last people to get going again. Uh, you got the NBA All-Star Game coming out. They announced the rosters this week. Everybody talking about how they shouldn't be playing and why are we even doing the All-Star Game, and then they start complaining because they got snubbed from the All-Star Game. Uh, that's going on as well. Uh, I'm just just looking here. Uh, Shohei Atani, he had 97-mile-per-hour pitches during live batting practice, so he seems to be back and healthy again. Uh, hockey stuff going on as well. Um, which we will be having on. Uh, we'll have a hockey conversation as a podcast here one of these days in the coming weeks as well uh, from there. want to remind people the uh, podcast today is sponsored by Skull Candy and Blue Coolers. And, uh, again, we'll have the, the links for you on the podcast notes. And if you're going to go to either of those websites, please use the links in the podcast notes so that way they know that we sent you. And, uh, I mean, we're almost a camping season, fishing season kicking up and stuff like that. So everybody needs a new cooler. Blue Coolers is a great uh, company. And, uh, again, they're they're top-notch coolers, and they're uh, more affordable than the other leading brands. Skull Candy, earbuds, uh, I mean, you can get stuff for 20 bucks. Of course, they got stuff that costs more as well, but earbuds and headphones and things like that as well. We sure appreciate Skull Candy and Blue Coolers partnering with us on the podcast. And as always, we thank Belly Up Sports, uh, bellyupsports.com for their support and happy to be a part of them. All right, Dad, good conversation today. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on again shortly. Again, like I said, we've got two uh, interviews coming out next week. Jack McCallum, a former Sports Illustrated writer, traveled with the Dream Team, has a podcast called the Dream Team Tapes and has a new podcast that just got released 
called the Dream Team Part Two or Dream Team Tapes Part Two uh, Redemption Team, I thought, Redeem Team. And then, uh, which is the team with Kobe and LeBron and those guys, Carmelo, those kinds of guys. And then uh, he also had, was author of the Dream Team and uh, Seven Seconds or Less. It's going to be a great conversation. Really looking forward to that one. And then we'll also have on former Packers fullback John Coon, uh, having him on and uh, hopefully get some good stories out of him also so those will drop next week and then uh starting again in march we'll be uh talking about different things hoping to continue to get some uh really good um guests on and things like that working on a number of people right now for march and we'll announce those as those get finalized uh dad thanks for joining again tonight and um excited to see all your fan base listen to the podcast this week and uh, hopefully the, 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 the naysayers, the people who've been mean to you, giving you bad feedback, hopefully they'll, they'll be satisfied with this podcast. There you go. Well. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Stove. We're also on uh, the Gram, Instagram, uh, the Sports Stove Pod. We're on YouTube. You can watch all the interviews that we've done and things like that sports dope podcast on youtube as well thank you so much for tuning in and until next time we'll see you around the sports stove